right, welcome back to another edition of uh, Mormon Expression. I'm your host, John Larson, and we're here again tonight in uh, Studio 1A, Studio Fist in Your Face, the Den of Iniquity. Um, it's, it seems like it's been a while since we've recorded here. What, what, what's been going on? I don't think it's been a while, has it? Oh, it seems like it to me. As you can tell, um, here uh, next to me, um, gesturing to my right, is Zilpha. Hello, everybody. Hello, Zilpha. How are you this evening? You look radiant, by oh, the way. I feel tired, but thank you. We should mention that it's, it's, it's Sunday night, and we did our live show on Friday night, so um, we both slept until 10 <laughs> yesterday. Um, we did? Yes, Wait, we yesterday did. or today? Yesterday. Um, oh. my, my, my little boy woke me up this morning to ask if he could watch SpongeBob. <laughs> um, so I didn't sleep in. Um, and then across from me is the, um, is the lovely and talented Amy. Welcome back, Amy. Hi, guys. And um, returning um, in her triumphant glory, the, uh, uh, the new director of The Voices podcast, which um, is, is fabulous so far. Oh, thank you. Um, um, is Heather. Hey, Heather. Hello. So uh, we should put the, the word out there. Um, you go to mormonexpression.com slash voices. Forward slash voices. Oh, the forward slash, <laughs> yes. Um, for all you Unix guys out there who might try the, try the other slash. Um, and uh, and, um, and you, you have your own podcast feed in, in iTunes, right? I do. If you search, uh, if you search um, um, Mormon, you'll find it. Should yes. <laughs> now idea. for all, for all all of our all of our loyal listeners, um, the way that iTunes ranks podcasts is by new subscriptions. So we might be able to bump the church off their top stop spots. They they released a whole grundle of podcasts this uh, this summer. I think they released seventeen new podcasts and sort of knocked us off the top position. So well, that can we, only last for so long. We have to claw our way back up to the top. If if we unsubscribe and then resubscribe, does that count as a new subscription? I'm not sure. Um, it, it's worth a try. It's worth a try. <laughs> <laughs> but for right now, everybody should go to the iTunes store and look for it. The, the iTunes store. And you can actually, it's, it's a... Uh, for, I usually don't say this because I figure anybody who understands it doesn't need to hear this, but right. it's a standard RSS feed. So any sort of feed aggregator, right. if you put in like mormonexpression.com, then you can get that one. And mormonexpression.com slash voices, then you can get the voices podcast. So if you're on an Android or anything other than iTunes, you can find us just by searching for our URL. Right. But the link that's currently on the voices website, I believe is wrong. I still am working on that detail. Oh. I think it goes just straight to Mormon Expression. Okay. Yeah, we we probably need to clean up some of our some of our links. Now, those are all my fault. Um, and joining us the first time in the studio is Gail. Hey, Gail. Hello. And y you were on the um, Church Handbook Instructions podcast, the first one, first time around. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well. Well. Welcome. Welcome to the fabulous Lehigh. It's good to be here in person. I'm sure my audio will be much better. Heart of the UC, right? Right here. All right. Well, as 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 those who like to listen to the insiders know. Um, um, Glenn is always trying to get me to post um, after discussions, and I always refuse to do it. Um, this is sort of a kind of a after discussion to the the live show um, because it sort of spawned some of this conversation. But this is a continuation of a discussion that, that Zilf and I have been having for oh two and a half years now. Yep. Um, and the the question has to do with the the and and we're traveling without purse or script tonight, right? right? I didn't get paid. Um, <laughs> do we ever? 
but none of hey, us has. That's a great idea. <laughs> I just moved my uh, monitor so I can actually see see Amy. None oh of us has gosh. any notes. That's or wonderful. Anything, so. Yeah, yeah. Well, I won't be able to see my notes now. Thank you. Wait, you don't. You don't. Have you weren't notes. supposed to have any. Right here. None of us have notes. See, there's three. We bullet all points. showed up without <laughs> underwear on, and you have your full garment. That is not fair. <laughs> Um, the one of the questions has to do with the criticism or the tone of Mormon expression, um, and and uh, I, 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 we we heard this at some at the after party a little bit. Yeah, one of our fans is um, just told me that he's been having a little bit of trouble lately with the tone, the negativity, the criticism of the church, um, and even though he's been a fan for quite a while, he feels like it's really taken a um, a negative turn lately so um i i guess i i that kind of took me by surprise but as i thought about it i thought there might be something to that and um i wanted to explore the topic more and see what we come up with and if it's if it is more negative and why so if it should be or if it should be more positive so you said it took you by surprise um yeah a little the idea that, that, that he thought it was getting more negative. Yeah, that, the idea that it was getting negative enough that he felt uncomfortable listening to it. Whereas before, he he enjoyed listening to it. So, I, I, I agree with him, except I'm not sure that it's gotten more negative. And we, and we can uh, deal with that a little bit. I think it has kind of. And part of this goes to, am I more critical? This is a sort of an internal internal dialogue of course i i left the church or you know we i mean we've told our story a bazillion times so years we had stopped going to church years before um we started doing the podcast and i had been on the boards and you can go search on my name and you'll find fairly critical things things that are more critical than things i've said on on this podcast so from 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 my perspective by the time i'd started the podcast that my tone or antagonism toward the church had gone down so from my perspective, if it goes up, it's still down below some point in the in the abstract out there, and and that's where because I'll hear ex Mormons usually say, "Oh, I, I think the podcast is very fair and balanced," and I always say, "Really?" Because I, I don't I don't think it is, and we we discussed that um, quite a bit in a in a previous um, episode. So it's hard for me to tell if if I'm getting more critical of the church. I, I know some of the ways I, my thoughts I, have changed. I think you've become more openly bombastic at times during this past year than you were the year and the year and a half before that. How do you plead? <laughs> <laughs> the question of is more, um, and that's that's a hard question. I really think that there was a distinct difference before um, the um, fall conference of 2010. And then after the fall conference, I think there was a a change in your willingness to um, to be openly more bombastic towards the the leaders of the church. Well, you're also marking a change in the the way we produce the podcast, because prior to the summer of 2010, we were in North Carolina, and then we 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 moved out here and we started the studio where we started. Um, recording more and more of the podcasts in person, um, so so there was an, a new dynamic and a, a sort of a new approach. There was new blood that came onto the podcast, um, 
and so so we uh you know we we went in a, in, in in different um direction sort of productionally production productionally produ- <laughs> production i think it'll pass thanks <laughs> So it it, it, it it very well could be that there was a point where I, I think in the beginning I, I might have held back criticism more. And we talked did. about this in, in, in the Bias podcast, that there are two theories of journalism out there. The one is sort of the old traditional, which is ju- journalists should pretend to be neutral n- neutral observers. And the, the second one, which is taking more prevalence in the schools these days, is is journalists should show their own bias. Because everybody has them. Well, they should try to be unbiased in their in their reporting but they should attempt to let you know where they stand because that helps you see through the through the lens um so i think i've taken more of that view of myself calling a spade a spade where i think it's a spade um and i have always from the time i was young enjoyed debating issues and i don't take when we're talking about topics or issues i don't I, i don't take that personally i know a lot of people do and so that's just sort of my mo is i I throw something out there and expect somebody else to come in and say their side, and that's that's cool. But when we have only only ex Mormons on a panel, there's no one to jump in and say that. There is an side. echo chamber effect, yeah. So that might be part of the of the um, perception. Well, I also wonder. I have a, a friend who uh, went to school in Portland and then got a job as a special education teacher on the border of Idaho and Oregon in a very conservative small town. And he went from being middle of the road, kind of leaning liberal to like flaming liberal because in a reaction to the environment he was in. So could it be that moving from a good buffer zone to the church to write, you like you went from the frying pan into the fire. Yeah. And that, that, the time that I really saw the change and heard the change in him, we were living in his parents' house. <laughs> while, you know, while we were we were getting work. settled, and yeah. Um, so I think that it was really agitating to him, and so I think you're right in that that he he was responding to that fire all of a sudden that he was put back into. I go with that. I. I w- since I kind of went through my own disaffection and apostasy, uh, the past couple of years, um, you know, I was still attending church every week and the, the podcasts and, and, and the, uh, the Facebook groups and the, the boards, they were kind of a lifeline for me. I mean, that kind of gave me something to latch onto that gave me a sense of balance in my life because without it, I was this, this lone individual in a sea of believers who would, you know, had very negative views toward me and what I thought. And, and I, you know, I had no legitimacy in that arena. And so I could see how, you know, putting yourself, you know, changing your environment even a little bit can have a drastic impact on how you, you know, express yourself. Mm-hmm. That, that, that could be, but I have to say, I like living in Utah and I don't have hardly any, I, I can't think of any negative interactions I have with Mormons outside of my, my family. Yeah, but right. you listen to the news. Like yeah, just, it is sort of just kind the of news seeps in from all sides. I, I, I suppose. I mean, there's some, but I find those things amusing. <laughs> you, you know, like I, I posted on Facebook a picture I took where they had the caution sign in front of the liquor, the front of the beer. They don't sell liquor in the grocery store. I just, I just found that funny. You know, I it's it was the, the low alcohol beer at that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, um, um. So, so, and and our ward has the ward we live in has left us alone for the most part. Yes. You know, so I, I, and I realize a lot of people have a lot of negative experiences, and I think 
I want to come oh. back to that in a little bit. Oh, that's what I was gonna. That's what I was gonna go into. Well, okay, well, because, maybe a little bit. Because as the Behold. podcast has has increased in listenership, um, so have the the emails and things that we've received and the contacts that we've had increased, and the majority of them share really um, just stories that make you want to cry. Really, yeah, and, and 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 it's all based on some sort of their interaction with with a believer or with the yeah an inter the an interaction with a believer is so, usually yeah. Let's dig into that a little bit more. Uh, our experience when we were in the church was mostly positive, boring but positive. Like like we didn't. I, I have, I've heard stories of people having all sorts of negative experiences with their bishops and stuff and. We really didn't for the most part. But since we've been here, people reach out to us because we're, we're public, we're, we're sort of semi public figure. And so we are almost constantly talking to or dealing with people in the midst of messy divorces, people who are suicidal, people, people who, whose families don't talk to them. Just, just this. So we're, we're constantly interacting with this dredge. Of of what happens when the church meets the 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 the, the world in it's terms of apostasy? It's really hard to keep a positive attitude about the church when you get these stories that are just you know awful. And 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 we we enjoy helping where we can. I'm not saying that to discourage people. You know, feel if you want to reach out to us. We and, can't do much, but <laughs> you know, we're not counselors. You know, so we can say the best thing we can tell people is it gets better. Hang in there. We're, we're, you know, we're here for you if that's any consolation. But just being able to express your yourself, just being able to write that letter of saying, hey, this is how I feel. And, and knowing that someone there is reading and understanding you and empathizing. Right. I know that's a, that's a big service, but I can see how you're feeling a lot of pain through that empathy. Yeah. And, and I, it's been pointed out before, absolutely true, that I don't respond to emails like I should. Um, um, sometimes I'll get 30 to 50 a day. Um, uh, with when I'm, I'm mixing in like board comments and stuff, I read every one of them. You know, I usually read them all on my on my um, smartphone. You know, like when I'm at work during a, a break or something. So I don't really have the capacity to necessarily answer them. But I read everything that's that's ever been sent to me, and 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 the ones that I feel need a reply, I put a reply. And, and probably the best thing we've ever done is we tend to try to hook people up with other resources or other people in the, in their in their area. So we do have the the capacity to do that. Um, but that does weigh down on us. Well, yeah, and I think it it would be weird if it didn't change our perception of of what's you know of what's good about the church and what's what's not good about the church. And the more we get those um, stories, the more it seems like the church is harmful, and the less it seems like it's helpful to people. So. But if that negative attitude, like, like, you know, let's, let's, let's say that we were just, we just heard about, you know, a, a lousy divorce or, or, or some other terrible situation. And we come into some podcast talking about something where we might be way over critical of the church on some stupid doctrinal point. Is that fair? Well, if the doctrinal point is really stupid, <laughs> then yes. Has Mormon expression ever been guilty of pot shots though oh okay. I, I, okay what about when john called president or was he called president brother yes. packer he's a president, president 12 
He he said he was being a dick. Is that I think a pot that's shot? acceptable. I don't think that's a pot shot. Well, so here, let me explain. I I actually do think about things I say more than it might sound like I do. That 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 was intentional. Um, and the reason the reason I called him a dick is because we all know what that means. Like you'll go through your life and you'll say that guy's a dick. <laughs> you know that guy's a jerk. Maybe John does that. <laughs> <laughs> But we, I'm we, sure there's a lot of people. But you, you, you know, it's it's something you hear. You hear. Yeah, you know the, what it means. The problem is in the in the in the church. There's cultural elements that I think are problematic that that I sort of like to address. This is fundamental to the podcast. But let me say this first. <laughs> Thanks, John. Um, there is a deference to authority. This happens inside the church and outside the church, but it is just on fire inside the church, and the deference to authority is you naturally assume because of these guys' position that everything they're saying is golden. So these guys get up in conference and they say stupid, stupid things. And if your friend was sitting next to you at lunch saying that, you would turn to him and say, you're being a dick. Um, you can't say that. That's wrong. But there's nobody who tells them that, 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 that they're doing that. There's a, a word for it in the clinical psychology. is acquired narcissistic personality disorder. There's people who are born with narcissistic personality disorder, um, where, you know, everything's about them. They can't see anything else, but, but, but this acquired one happens when you're surrounded by your posse all the time. CEOs get it. Celebrities get it. General authorities get it. And there's nobody around to tell them that the emperor is not wearing any clothes. So, so they start saying these really, really dumb things. And the problem is in the church, we're sort of trained to just accept everything they're saying and not process it. And the reason I said that is because it's jarring. He was saying some pretty bombastic things himself. And that's my, my attempt to point out he's behaving in a way that's socially unacceptable. And if I was to give a 10-minute exposition about that, people would be snoring and forgot what the point I was trying to make. But I made the point quickly and abruptly by applying a vulgar term to his vulgar action that was wrapped in this, um, in this uh, package of authority. You know, when we're talking about criticism of the church or about any participants of the church or members of the leadership, you know, it's important to remember that this is an organization, like you were saying, that doesn't accept criticism. There's no proper avenue or expression of criticism within church. I, from, that's not true for everyone. There are obviously people who are willing to, to talk about that as long as the criticism is mild, put gently, expressed well. But, but for most members, I, or at least, <laughs> The members, you know, you see at church every day, every Sunday, um, no criticism, no criticism can go over well. It's a sin. It, it is because, because you're, you're doubting, you're doubting the anointed of God. And, 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 and because they're given this special, it's not even okay, just yes. doubting, it's having the balls and the disrespect in their mind to actually say something. It's like, it's almost like fine in your private moments if you want to feel that, but how dare you affect my testimony in such a way than to share that with me. And, and I don't, you know, I don't accept the truth claims of the church and I'm not in that believing state, but, you know, but there are still things that are sacred to me. I think criticism is one of them. And so, you know, it, it's, it's really disturbing to me when there's not a proper outlet for criticism within the organization. I mean, there were countless times when I've been accused of being very negative within the church, or at least in regards to, to the subject of the church. And, and I think it odd because these same people don't seem to think I'm highly negative when I discuss the pros and cons of LCD versus plasma TVs or, or any other <laughs> random topic. But when it's, but if I'm discussing, analyzing or assessing anything or critiquing the church or any of its facets, that's, 
that's unforgivable. That's, that's highly negative. It's cankerous. Of, of, you know, my, my soul is obviously in peril and, and they, I'm filthy and they don't want to have anything to do with me. Right. And how, how can you, <laughs> how can you really do, um, critical thinking, which I think most of us would value without having criticisms of it's, something? It's part of a growth cycle. I mean, well, they don't want you. I to think be all of us have critically. gotten here. Because we've had a lot of personal criticism that we've spent a lifetime trying to process and maybe not even knowing that it was a criticism and not even knowing that it needed to be processed because the flaw was within us. There wasn't a process that needed to occur. It was just Something we were was wrong with you. Right. Um, in my own mind, I've also there, there's a voice now for some of my criticisms that I didn't have before. I didn't have a real solid understanding of certain things. Um, or it's kind of like when you're, when you, when you know you don't like something, you're not exactly sure why. You don't know why something rubs you the wrong way. Uh, when we, when I did the, the, uh, the women's conference, um, and it's kind of a joke between Heather and I now that, you know, I was snarky in my responses. And I've actually thought a lot about that. You know, was I overly critical? Um, and, you know, yes, no, or indifferent. I, I really don't have an opinion as to was I too critical, but that was the first time I've stepped into a meeting like that in almost 20 years. And, and it wasn't just a regular meeting either. It was no. at the conference center. General authorities were there. And these were heavy, supposedly heavy issues that were being discussed. And there were a lot of feelings and a, and a, a reaction that I was not prepared for. Um, and it was only afterwards that I realized I have a way to discuss this now and I have a way to allow my feelings to make sense and I don't have to shut up anymore about it or make an apology about it. I can seriously not like what was just said and I can have one reason or five reasons and all of them are valid to me right now. So I think I think for many people there's that point of no criticism to any point of criticism, which is a much wider gap than mild criticism versus harsh criticism. And so, you know, the degree of criticism or the style that you kind of want to employ to express yourself, I think, isn't necessarily even as, as potentially offensive as the fact that you're bothering to criticize at all. Well, and I also acknowledge that I can be pretty offensive. What? <laughs> I think that's good. It serves a purpose. Gail, to that it point, can. you know, it you know, can. it can. That's, it doesn't that's necessarily, another but question. It, it, Go, but go ahead, John. Oh, I was going to say, our, our, our criticism can be pretty severe at times. But there, there's part of me that the, the gut feeling is there's no degree of criticism. Like, like if we pulled it down three or four notches, would more people listen or would more people be satisfied with it? Or, or. Would it serve its purpose better? And what is its purpose? Yeah, who's the audience who's going to be assessing how valid the criticism is? Right, right. And I think I think trying to walk this middle path between I mean there, there's a lot of people who leave the church for various reasons, a lot of people in various stages. There's people who like ninety percent of the church. They like everything about the church, they believe it, but they have a problem with the church's stand on gays, for example. Those people are out there. And if you go to Sunstone, I, I think Sunstone has gotten pushed to the background for some reason, and I don't know why, because it's still I think one of the best, most valuable resources out there because it is still the platform that a lot of people are trying to achieve today. It exists. You have liberal Mormons and believing Mormons mixing in a positive manner with 
full-on critical agnostics, and they have been for years, and it's still a congenial atmosphere. I suggest that those trying to achieve those sort of things model themselves that, that way. Unfortunately, I think it's sort of a generational thing. It's it's slowly dying, and, and that that's a, that's a sad thing. But I think that middle ground of trying to appease um, and make the message, as we've said before in podcasts, safe or palatable for people who are just barely stepping out, I've always sort of rejected that view because I, I, I've said I think higher of Mormons than a lot of other people who are critical of the church because I think Mormons can discern they can, they can join the podcast or listen to it and they can decide what they're going to what they're going to listen to and what they're not that I don't have to follow that same milk before meat um, treatment of that 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 people criticize the church for having and then they engage in that same sort of thing on the outside. I think it's also just a symptom of the desire to control the message. I mean, when you're in the church, there's such a controlled atmosphere of how things are said and when they are said and why they are said, who we say them to and who we allow to repeat this message and under what circumstances. And so they finally begin to step out of it and they're hearing people say things that they, they can't believe that someone is going to, that is willing to risk whatever it is they believe in. They're, 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 you know, their outer darkness, their, their perdition ship, whatever you want to call it. Um, <laughs> but they're not used to that kind, to any information, just being uncontrolled. I think it's also an element of honesty. I mean, a lot of people, you know, the, people have these, you know, these critical or questioning thoughts and considerations in the church, but, but you can't express it because to do so would be a sin or I, I don't know, it's a transgression of some sort. But, but once you open your mind that little bit and you're allowing yourself to be honest and accepting of other people's honest expression, it opens yourself up to, I don't know, all host of, um, it's the slippery slope. If, well, if you, yeah. yeah, if you close yourself off to any kind of, um, verbiage that is uncomfortable for you, you can never really, I mean, how, where do you draw the line? And, and it just seems like you're going to end up stuck if if you're if you're afraid of words it it just doesn't seem like a very strong position to be in well i think that the church uses niceness and happiness and agreeability as weapons i think you're right and they they have developed i mean it's it's explicit in the offended you leave because you're offended message but it's implicit in everything else so if you get passionate about something and slightly critical people have been taught that that automatically means that it's invalid and from the devil devil. and you and, and damaging to your testimony so if you're coming out of an environment like that anything is going to be you're right it's going to i remember when i first started listening to this podcast it kind of like made my heart race a little bit and like oh my gosh i'm kind of like then you snuck back for some "Eh." more didn't you (laughs) of course you know but in the beginning it felt like i was you know listening to anti-war material and you've we've also grown up in an environment where we've been taught that we are powerless in what we think and do you're either either you're either letting the god influence you or you're letting the devil influence you there's no there's no recognition of your own intellect and your own ability to look at something and figure it out for yourself when i remember one of the first podcasts you were here we were it was the conference review and you were saying you were saying i i almost feel like i want to cry because because of that of that criticism that internal um conflict 
And I, I'm fully aware of that, and I have pushed that. I have pushed the bombastic nature of, of things that I say for that point, to have that iconoclasm, to, to push that dissonance in people, knowing some people will turn it off and walk away, but others are going to turn it off and be pissed off, and they're going to come back. They're going to listen back. to it again. And the people who turned off and went away will probably be back in six months. Because to the, to the point, the church, the church uses that happiness, but I will say the church, and I'm not talking about Mormons, I'm talking about the church, has no sense of humor. Zero sense of humor. There's no humor in Mormonism. Um, well, the, uh, the money pants was kind of funny. He didn't mean it to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not that there's, there's, there's brilliant people in the church who, who have all sorts of humor, but the church itself is humorless. And if you That's study... If, if you, you think about the lessons, there's there's no humor in there at all. No. And, and this is a driving point. Humor for, for, is considered irreverent. There's not yeah. an allowance for it's humor. Light-mindedness. H- humor is a huge component of entertainment. Um, you know, it has to be, it has to be fun. It has to be entertaining. So to, to, to the point of, of us being more balanced and giving like the, the true believers and, and the, what things they hold to be sacred or whatever, more of a position on the podcast. It's sort of like if you, if you brought two guys in and one said, I adore my wife. She is the, um, the most precious thing to me ever. And, you know, I'm so glad we're, we're just best friends. And we just, we spend all of our time together. <laughs> if you got the other guy in who's, you know, talking about how she makes fun of him or he gets tired of her doing this, that, or the other, that's, that's more interesting. Humor oftentimes has a component of critical evaluation. And where we've tried to keep the podcast more entertaining, more punchy, it automatically goes to skews to a little bit more critical because that's funnier. And it makes for better podcast. It's more entertaining. So if we try to like slide it back and we had a a series of podcasts about everything we love about the church. It's also more honest because, I mean, like humor softens the blow a little. It does. And, and a lot of the things that, um, a lot of the things in and around and about the church are rifled with taboos. And it's, and even the thing you were talking about, um, the friendliness and the happiness, it's taboo to come to church with a frown on your face. If someone says, hey, blah, 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 and they're all bubbly, and you're like, yeah, hi. hi." You, you can't do that. It's taboo. So a lot of the things that that we're actually trying to do is to break through some of the unhealthy taboos that the, that, that the church culture um, contains. And you can't do that without... It, without it feeling uncomfortable a little bit to people who aren't used to those taboos being crossed. So what about genuineness? If we tried to temper what we wanted to say, wouldn't it eventually be fake and unlistenable for that reason? I think so. I, I think so. We've always insisted, as you well know, that people can say what they want, but they need to be genuine. You know, And if people try to play roles, then, then I, I strongly discourage it. Um, but there's not a single believer at this table right now. Well, so, not. so, so if, if we say that, I mean, to, to, to criticize the, 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 the podcast here, if we say that's our stand, which I believe it is, but then we stack the deck with all disbelievers. But we don't want to stack the deck with disbelievers. We cannot find a regular Sunday going, normal, middle of the road, Mormon Besides believer. Besides Brant. We've he got, is not a normal middle of the road right. believer. 
We cannot find one no, and I, who would be willing to come I, on and I'm, just talk about stuff. I'm going to up to Annie. I'm going to say they don't exist. We, we've been sort of looking for them. So, so we are dealing with issues in this podcast, generally speaking, that most members have never heard of. Right. A, a, a lot Agreed. of things we're pulling out. They're, they're like, what? Um, so, so you'd have to have somebody who can converse with the issue. So if we just grab somebody from Sackert meeting, say, give me your best debater here in the elders quorum. We sat him down here. They'd, they'd be like, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. It, this sounds like anti-Mormon lies to me. I, you know, I don't even know where this book you've got. I have an uh, uncomfortable uh, feeling. This... I have a stupor of thought. I'm leaving. One of the reasons why yeah. I wanted to interview my parents for voices. And I had a conversation with Heather about this. Um, was because in my opinion and based on my experience of growing up in the church and then leaving the church and now living here in Utah is that my parents are a pretty good, normal quote unquote. Um, and, um, I think good representations of what I would say an open minded yet incredibly faithful dying day, take a bullet for the profit. Literally my dad's done secret service type protection for, um, President Hinckley. But at the same time, I wanted to interview them for voices because they have two children. They have myself who am an apostate and I, I kind of, I've become really comfortable with that term, but until I, I viewed it from the lens of my parents looking at me as the apostate, it was like, there was like this kind of lump in my throat, kind of like real sadness. Like, oh my gosh, I really, I don't think I relate to my parents as well as I thought I did kind of a thing, but now I'm getting off the story. But when I asked my mom if she would be interested in me interviewing she and my dad for voices so that they could share with people who are our listeners and also any TBMs out there that are secret listeners, how my parents maintain a relationship with their apostate daughter who lives with her fiance um, divorced, all these, you know, worked for Planned Parenthood, did all these satanic things, you know, um, and how they still maintain a loving, what I consider to be a loving, honest, open relationship. Now, granted, I can't actually sit down and tell them, this is really how I feel. I consider myself an atheist now, and this, this is why, and have them respect it the same way that they want me to respect their, hey, this is a lesson I taught in gospel doctrine, and I'm genuinely interested in those things. Um, just because I'm so genuinely interested in the religion that I was brought up in, but my my mom's reaction was, well, first, she was not going to do it unless my dad okayed it, which I wasn't necessarily surprised. But um, she said, I have a feeling your father's not going to be interested in doing this because he feels like Mormon expression um, is negative towards the church. And I said, well, mom, if, you know, and I've heard John say this before, but if you want to get the church's perspective, you go to church. This is the perspective of people who are struggling with faith, who are leaving the church, who are struggling with relationship, you know, all these kind of things. And that's why I want to bring you guys in. I think it would be a great opportunity for people to hear that, you know, this is what average even true believing members go through. And this is how they work it out. And, and I walked away from that conversation with my mom and it really bummed me out because in my opinion, they were the normal, you know, they have kids that they still love that are, you know, no, I, I, I think so you said no, they said no. And I, think and I was really sad. I was really sad because I really love and respect my parents and I really respect that they're in the church and there's nothing. I don't want them to leave the church. I have no desire to deconvert my family 
at all. They would cease to be the people that they are. And I love them for who they are. And I wanted to share that with our listening audience is that these are my TBM parents and they still love me and value what I do, or so I thought. Um, and, and, you know, learn from, you know, they, they don't all have to be, you know, javelin throwing freaks. <laughs> Sorry. Well, well, you know, I look at my, my experience in, in raising my concerns. You know, I, I would have thought, you know, going through the, going through my, my experience that, uh, different people, uh, family members, friends, uh, the police leadership, local leadership, and, you know, the, the wards I was in would want to try to save me or, or something. Uh, and I, I've been surprised how unwilling they are or uninterested is probably a better uh, descriptor of how they are to actually address anything with me or talk to me about it. You know, I've been very open. I've been very friendly to elders, current presidents, bishops, stake presidents, and, um, they're willing to talk with me and say, you know, uh, speak, meet briefly, discuss things. But as soon as they understand what my position is and what the nature of my concerns are, they, they shake my hand, they smile and say, we hope to see you around. And that is the, that is as far as they wish to go because they just have no, they have no, there's, there's no common ground. There's no basis for which they can communicate. They have no tools by which to address the criticisms I've, I've raised. And they don't want, yeah, they don't have a tools. desire to. There's well, no, no, no because, because what, if, what if they became aware of it and it, and it challenged them as well? I think that there's a, there's a real defensive, you know, nature. Yeah, I mean, let, let's aspect. be let's be hundred percent clear here. I mean, I'm I I don't believe the church is true, and I don't believe personally because I and this is in, with interacting with hundreds of people. I don't think you can fully understand church history for 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 what it is. You know, the 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 evidence that's out there of the 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 change in the doctrine and the practices and the the different positions and things that people said. You cannot be the type of Mormon the church wants you to be and have that knowledge in your head. I've only met a couple of people who were that way, who knew all that stuff, and frankly, I think they're all nuts. I don't think they're, I don't think they're you standard average. knew all that stuff and still were believers. Right. Because there's plenty of people out there who do, you know, like there's a lot of apologists who know all sorts of stuff, but if you sit down with apologists, they have some very unorthodox theories of, of things that if you, if you get a, an apologist in, in even, even very publicly, public apologists, I'm thinking people like Claudia Bushman, you know, Richard Bushman, Terrell Givens, and you sit down and listen to interviews with them. They are, as far as Mormonism goes, mainstream Mormon, they're way out there because they've just gone through and rejected a whole lot of doctrines and they are, they are probably less orthodox than I am. And and I, years ago, when I was just debating um, apologists all the time, I was always the defender of orthodoxy. Um, and be, because orthodoxy itself, I think, is a reductio ad absurdum to the church. If you take or, an orthodox view and you compare it with the church, you can find things that are mutually exclusive. I mean, that right there says there's two beliefs that Mormons have simultaneously, sometimes historically, that can't be reconciled. So the point is, I don't think that there is a path, a church-sponsored path, that could come here and engage because it's an impossibility. It doesn't exist, and that, that 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 that's my that's my perspective. And I've yet to be proven wrong on that. I agree. Can I say what a lot of people are probably thinking? Please. And I hope this doesn't make anybody angry. Um, she's looking at me when she's. <laughs> we say that we want faithful voices to come on the podcast, as if. Um, the the faithful perspective is equally as valid as the non-believing perspective, and we just haven't found somebody who can explain it well enough. 
I think that's an excellent point. When we say we want faithful people on, I want people on of all stripes of Mormonism. But they have to have done their homework on whatever it is we're talking about, right? So if we're talking about, uh, I don't know, the Adam-God theory, you're going to get on the podcast if you can reasonably talk about the Adam-God theory. I don't care what you believe about it. I don't care if you're a fundy or you're, you're, you're an ex-Mormon lawyer, but you have to be able to reasonably understand the data. And what I don't want to get on the podcast is a debate as to whether or not those are ex-Mormon lies or this existential debate as to whether Lucy Mack really remembered things correctly. Those are bullshit arguments. They might be interesting in a, on a side note, but let's deal with what's been what's been written. And, and not just this dismiss, 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 deny, 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 demand proof. You, you know, because that, that's just not good podcast. It's not interesting to listen to. I think what we really want is we want a discussion with the church itself. We wish the legal entity was more of a personal entity. And we could sit down and say, okay, church, let, let's, let's work this out with you, you know, one-on-one. But there is no person that represents the church. There is no single individual oh, yes, who can is. do – Well, yeah, but even he isn't really – Who, Otterson? <laughs> I mean, he's the. No, no, Monson. Yeah. No, I mean, but those letters individual. just get rerouted. I, yeah, but, you know. There's no way for us to talk to Monson. No, and, and, and. And he's the only valid spokesperson for the church. Allegedly. Right? But, but spokesperson, he himself is, isn't even really the church itself. No, the, the, there, there's no church anymore. Um, and there, I've said before, there's no doctrine. Let, let's, let's dig into that a tiny well, bit. Well, there is a church, that's for sure. It's all correlated. No one's driving it anymore. Well, that, that that might be the case, but there's definitely... I, I'm, I'm talking theologically. It's being buffeted by the winds of the world? Absolutely. I think it's ad, it's administrated, but it's not... Do you, do you need all. a driver when it's all set up on auto cruise? <laughs> well, the problem is it's, it's running Someone has to, to push the button. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Eventually, you're going to run out of gas and hit the mountain. Let's, let's take a few <laughs> steps back, because um, critics of critics like to banter around the term anti-Mormon a lot. And... Um, we're really talking about four or five things when we talk about Mormonism. We have a corporate church. We have whatever their current theology is today. You know, this is Mormonism. We have its history and its historical theology. And we have a church culture, you know, that happens inside the pews. And then a greater, like, Mormon culture. And then you start getting out into, like, Western culture and other things. You know, like, for example, um, there's a really strong Second Amendment um, gun rights vibe in Utah. But really, that's sort of a Western thing. I, I, I would contend that that's not derived from Mormonism. Mormonism partakes of it just because it, it's, it's in the culture that it belongs to. Um, so sometimes those things get, get tricky. The problem is the church does this, or a lot of, um, apologists, um, in the church do this sleight of hand where they will, they will take any criticism. Let's say we're criticizing Brigham Young for something he said that was really stupid. Um, and then what they will do is they will uh, accuse that of anti-Mormonism. So what th they'll take it and play it because they're playing off the term anti-Semitism every time they do that, and which is which is basically a form of racism, right? And of of an irrational like bigotry towards people. So any time you have any criticism levied against the church, even historically for things the church itself has abandoned, there will be somebody out there who accuses you of being a bigot, basically. Yeah. And being driven by the devil. All you, the devil is influencing you to bring down the church. And that's your only goal is to ruin people's faith and bring the church down. It does, it's not a matter of truth. It's a matter of you're trying to harm the church and me. So, yeah, why, why are you trying to hurt me and my faith? So we can bring on the podcast. And we've done this and, and critically evaluate doctrines the church itself has discarded, right? You know, we, we did this, let's say in King Fallout, we we're talking about babies on the thrones. Um, 
because that's an interesting historical document. I don't think anybody on that podcast, and I'll say it right now, believes that the church today believes their babies on thrones in the eternities. I, I think that's a discarded belief of the church. But the 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 and this is sort of an an irony because the the a lot of the people in the church will sort of wear it like a hair shirt. Like you can't make fun of this because this is one of ours, but we reject this. You know, but we're looking we're looking back in time. We're looking at a historical artifact and, and a particular belief and teaching at the time, and we are going to evaluate that critically because it's stupid. Uh, or interesting or interesting or weird or it's incongruent with other things mm-hmm. or whatever whatever kind of critique we want to levy against it but we're looking at it on its own value and of course when you do that you have to evaluate it against current teachings today against what pe- people would say so you you're doing this critical thing but we're really looking at that particular discourse the king follow discourse and it has nothing to do with aunt what aunt sherma believes and what she's doing in the um Heber 34th ward but, but uh, believers have been taught to filter it that way. Yeah, and that, that's what's that's what's funny is because they they will defend beliefs like like let's say that that God physically impregnated the Virgin Mary and she wasn't a virgin at all. And there's there's a lot of Mormons who believe that most of them don't, but they will defend that belief even at the same time while rejecting it. You know, um, because everything is in defensive mode. They, they're 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 bunkered down. So so so, but don't get me wrong. There are plenty of Mormons, and this is something I probably should have said at the top of the podcast. Based on the feedback that I get, personal feedback from people who send me email and identify themselves, well over half of those people identify themselves as churchgoers or believers to some extent. Um, my belief is that most or at least half of our listeners are people who still go to church all the time. And I think to our point about criticism and catharsis, I think that's one of the reasons they listen to it. Church is so boring, so banal, they don't deal with any of the issues, they come pop this in and it's a little lighthearted it's a little bit funny but it's dealing with some interesting things from the past it's such a juxtaposition to church that 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 is what drives the the listenership in in my mind are there people that have to go to church i think that's more of the audience for one reason or another and i think recently we've we've actually picked up i mean the um, was it last month or the month before that the um, podcast downloads? This is the last time we looked. Was one hundred and twenty thousand? About one hundred and twenty thousand. I I'm wondering if with the Book of Mormon musical and the Mitt Romney thing, if we've got a lot of non-member non-Mormons who are suddenly saying, "What is this Mormonism stuff all about?" Um, and that maybe they 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 make up a large portion of our listenership now. I I know that the person you spoke with didn't have any real examples as to what it was that was negative to them. I'd, I'd, I'd be curious to know if these were issues that that person just simply had an issue with. If it was, is it this, you know, maybe it's the panelists well, that I, they find that they don't really jibe with. I mean, it's really hard you know, to say. I, I think I, in his case, um, he has a believing spouse who's still, you know, um, active and it's been difficult for them working through that that issue and it's harder for him to justify listening to us and participating on our boards and stuff when it's just consistently negative uh, towards the church well i know one market change i'm i become more vulgar on the podcast well and he didn't say anything about vulgarness but i I do know that like our new our new VIP lounge that we on Facebook is the private area where people feel more 
like they can can be open about their criticisms of the church because now they're believing spouses and parents and whatever can't see them supposedly you know that's the idea it's not showing up randomly in their feeds right so people have suddenly had this outlet and it has been quite negative i would say you know there's nothing positive <laughs> you know towards the church that has come up on that board not that i've seen but 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 to your point there's a reason for that right right and, and it's, that's it's... kind of the purpose of the board is to give people that arena that they're desperate for to talk about these things is and it if, if they wanted to like quote from a lesson book that would be appropriate to do at a fa family gathering or in church or there's lots of different places where that's appropriate and and there's not very many places where people can quote some you know strange right. thing from mormon history or part of my problem i mean i understand people feeling that things are critical or not liking that things are critical or or, or whatever. But I kind of look at it like this. If you were in an abusive relationship and you finally left that relationship, and anytime someone asked you about that relationship, you told them about some of these horrible things that happened or these horrible things, you know, like, and now how you're dealing with processing these things and how you're trying to, you know, gain a new identity. And then they were to look at you and say, God, you're so negative about your marriage. Well, yeah. And that's why I left it. It was a horrible experience for me, and I really don't have a lot of good things to say. And even the times when they were nice, you know, it just Colored left me. By the bad yeah, it just left me wondering when when the other shoe was going to drop, you know. And it's kind of, I don't know why anyone expects us to feel any differently than how a majority of us feel. I still try to hold on to things that I find positive about the church. I'm really looking for them. And like, a, that's one of the reasons, like I said, I wanted my parents to be on the podcast. I wanted to show positive things and positive people and kind of breaking those stereotypes. Here's a, you know, a believing family that still finds value in their apostate children, et cetera. But that didn't happen. And it's kind of like walking away from an abusive relationship. You don't have a lot of really nice things to say about it, no matter how good it was sometimes. And even even the positives, like we, we said this sort of an after discussion on the the hymn the 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 hymns for dummies that we did. Those five hymns that that we sang, I love every one of those hymns. And I enjoyed I sang my guts out when I was there that night. And if I go to church and they're singing them, I'll sing my, my guts out there. And I even said a couple times in the in the in the broadcast, I said, you know, I like these songs, or this song is great. And I think I even said one time, this song gave me chills. But then I spent the next ten minutes criticizing them. Right? Well, it would be very hard for me to praise the hymn for ten minutes, just rhetorically, right? Sure. It, we, what, what would you What would you have? So it goes back to my point on humor. You know, humor oftentimes is driven on criticism, and I think that. I probably need to do a much better job at expressing, and all of us on the podcast, but me in particular, expressing why we like these things. You know, like the King Follett discourse, to use that example, I find that thing fascinating. The doctrinal innovation, the, 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 the zeitgeist was going on in Nauvoo, what Joseph Smith was doing at the time, the theological implications of what he's saying and how we're dealing with those 150 years later. And the problem is that, that is all wrapped up inside criticism, the sort of thing you'd hear in in, in, Shakespeare, in a Shakespeare class or whatever. And if you went and took a college-level Shakespeare class from a Shakespeare expert, um, they obviously love Shakespeare, but you'll hear tons and tons of criticism. And that's just sort of the, the, the way it operates. And I think 
to a point you're making for Heather, I think a lot of Mormons just aren't used to seeing that focused on the church. And it just sort of drives them nuts, to put it bluntly, you know. So to answer the question, why do we find this stuff so fascinating? Joaquin Phoenix was a part of that really weird cult back in the 70s. The family. The family. And I've watched a few like Dateline episodes about that and just been totally fascinated about how does that work? How do, how do people get involved in these really weird things and not see it for what it is or look at how it affects their lives? And it just fascinates me. And when I like woke up to Mormonism and realize that I don't believe it anymore, I realize I know the cult word doesn't like to be thrown around. And I don't, and I don't necessarily think, well, I think once you're outside of any sort of religion, everything is culty. It's just a matter of degree. <laughs> so true. when I woke up and realized that I come from something weird like that. It suddenly became fascinating to me. And I think that's why I that's why I find it interesting because I just I think it's it's so weird and I can't believe I come from this weird stuff. It's so interesting. Yeah. I keep trying to tell people this. Mormonism is so fascinating. And part of the reason we're critical is I pick topics that are interesting to me, and the topics that are interesting to me are the weird ones. You know, I am not going to have a podcast on how great it is that Mormons clean up after disasters. I don't think it's very interesting. It's, it, but it's, it's not just, just not in my wheelhouse, you know? So, so I'm going to pick ones that, that I want to talk about. And it's, and it's, it's these little weird things. And the, the fun of the reason they're weird is because they're weird even to Mormons, you know? But how did these ideas come, come about? But you, you can't look at those without being critical. I, I just don't think it would be, it would be interesting. It wouldn't be genuine. Well, and also, you know, there's degrees of of outness, of being out, I guess. And there's also lots of different podcasts, and I've listened to lot, lots of different podcasts. And the reason why I'm sitting here at this table is because of kind of that irreverent um, behavior and um, the the snarkiness and the personalities that come along with this podcast. I relate to it. It's the I recognize it. I feel like. I feel like, wow, if I were to meet these people, dun, 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 they would get me because I feel like I get them. Um, and other, maybe people that are not, you know, feeling the, the, the love anymore, so to speak, you know, it's okay to evolve out of something again. If they're evolved, you know, it's, it's all a journey and they don't have to love Mormon expression for the rest of their lives. They can move on. They just have to keep paying their subscription. <laughs> Mormon expression is critical. I want to return to that again a little bit, but I do want to point out that I've been to a lot of Mormon expression activities and had people here. We I do, wonder why. We do, <laughs> yeah, we do skew to the one side, but Mormon expression and, and it's, it's people who get involved in the community do not border keep. So, and I've seen people do, I've seen people come to our, our picnic store and say, I'm a believer. And everybody's like, well, that's all right. And nobody like lights them up for it. No one cares, you know, and I know a lot of other organizations, especially the church, do tons of border keeping, tons of dis defining. And it's like, if you can stomach it, you're in. That's it. <laughs> and we like you more for it. Right, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I love that about this. This, this is why this has been one you know, of my favorite outlets, you know, before when I was attending, but not believing or now just because. I felt, I felt it, I felt comfortable here because everyone else seemed comfortable. They seemed to express their real self. Yeah, there would be positive moments. They'd also express things that were really coming from their heart in terms of how they felt. I, I, I and hope so. And life is complicated. And the church is definitely complicated. And to just 
what do you like turd polishing i mean if you just if you just it doesn't it's not necessarily a turd but if you take the the complication out of stuff it's not as interesting and it's just kind of like a fluffy marshmallowy cloud but it's not that it's it's so much more and, and there's there's layers and and you can't you can't sugarcoat it and and do it justice and I, I I think and to achieve that genuine reaction and to that I try to express as vulgarly or as as non vulgarly as possible my genuine feeling in reaction to that that thing and that is sometimes going to be abrasive and I would encourage everybody to do that you know when when new panelists come on I say what you've got to do is you got to learn to tell me I'm wrong um, be- speak up because because that's what's that's what's going to to, to make it better and that's what's going to make it a uh, a more interesting engagement. Yeah, we're, we cycle out if we don't tell Johnny's wrong at least once <laughs> during the podcast. <laughs> you know, I think that's actually kind of the point here. Is I, 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 okay, I've been listening to the podcast the entire time, and I've, I've not noticed an increase in criticism over the last several months. So I don't even know if the the initial comment that's spurring this whole discussion is necessarily valid. I think what I noticed is a drop off of certain, uh, of certain. Uh, sympathetic approaches i we had we had some members of the panel that don't appear as often who were very sympathetic or defensive or at least trying to create a space where you know it seemed you know it was okay to to express a believing thought or at least an accommodating thought and i think that that's that's been diminished i don't think the criticism has increased because of it or 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 separately i just think it's it's created a false sense of of the balance now being missing when you know of course the sense of balance may have never been accurate in the first place or, or an accurate approach to considering how things were portrayed. So I don't know that the the, the, the criticism has actually increased at all. I think I think it's just that we've we've seen less of the sympathetic viewpoints expressed. I, I think that's true. I, I also think that the critical perspective um and this is not aimed at Mormonism or Mormon expression. This is all all this is what's going on in the world today. The critical perspective, the the scientific logical perspective has a huge hand up in the debate. Because by just engaging in debate, you're in their house. You, you, you know, and that, that's sort of this point I've been coming to. If we are going to critically evaluate Mormonism and by and critically saying we're going to look at it and see what it really says and what it really means, y- you're already like you've already almost lost the game. <laughs> just coming to that table. And if 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 anybody out there want thinks that I'm wrong, by all means come on in. Because I, I just think and I, I feel it's unfair. Because you're saying a believer has already lost the game. Yes, almost lost the game. Well, any faith-based approach, as opposed to an evidence or scientific or reason-based approach, is going to be a disadvantage when you're employing reason and evidence as the basis of the discussion. Especially in a tradition like Mormonism that has been so volatile, because there, and I've said this before, but there is not a single doctrine that hasn't been mucked with, right? So, so. Coming at the table with people who are well-reasoned and well-informed about that, you can't say anything before somebody's going to stick it down your throat. Um, and that, that, that's a really tough position to, to, to come into. Um, and so I, I think the very nature of the approach we have, which is let's look and see what it really says. I mean, that's how I'd sum it up. What, what, what's really there? You know? well, and sometimes... Um we are discussing things that aren't necessarily historic, but they're cultural. And then there's a lot more more interpretation involved based on our own experiences. So 
you know, we might not have actual evidence to show, but we can say, well, this was my experience, and in this aspect, it happened to be negative. And that's why we're discussing it, because it happens to be negative for a lot of the people that we talk to yeah. who, who have, you know, left Mormonism. So, um, I mean, I just wanted to make sure that we include the cultural um, element, too, that's maybe where some of the more negative attitude comes out. And it, it, it does. And actually, in the terms of the debate, the, the church itself, because it's a big bumbling fool, I'm talking about the corporate church. There he goes, being negative. Is our biggest ally. <laughs> I, I mean, because the, they do, I've said this over and over again, they do a lot better things than they get credit for because they obfuscate, they dissemble, they cover up details, they, they, they you know, like the, the one we pointed out where there's a hymn and they had it attributed to the wrong person. Easy to fix, easy to prove they have it attributed to the wrong person. They don't put a footnote, they don't do anything. So they're just an easy target because they're a big bumbling fool. And they can fix that. They don't have to. If if they go through like they did in the Brigham Young manual up there and change Brigham Young's words to match their current doctrine and don't put a footnote, they've just opened themselves up tremendously. Yeah, it's, it's dishonest. And, and that's one of the things that I feel like if, if we're at least being honest and trying to expose truth, um, then we have a, a leg up. Well, I, I, because they're they're not dealing with a lot of the truth, and they're and they're purposefully doing that. And like, and that's you know, been happening since day one. I mean, we have to be. That's kind of, that's it's part of the foundation. I mean, let's go all the way back to, you know, it's what the I can see been, into the hill Cumorah. It's been what the church is, <laughs> what the church has been used to doing too. Tell the world one thing and do another. Right, flat right. out. I mean, like cl the, the clear lies. Or the, where he, the yeah. Joseph Smith. he said, "I don't know that we teach that." I don't know that we emphasize that. I don't really understand it. And it's like, you've been teaching me this since I was two years old. I was out of the church for maybe nine months when that interview came. I almost fell out of my chair. I mean, it's just. Because I still had that, those blinders of, no, the church is true. The church is, they're honest. They're good. Right, they're, they right. would never just totally deceive and outright lie. Exactly what I thought for a long time. And then when you realize, no, they are purposefully being deceptive. It's we, hard to we should do a top ten church lies. Doubt anymore. You know, because you you the, you have flat out lie. Joseph Smith. People accuse me of having multiple wives when I can only see one. That is a <laughs> damned lie, and he knew it. I mean, there's no way around the fact that he was lying flat out. No one can apologize. I've seen the apologetics around that statement, and they're just they're just garbage. They're just utter, utter bullcrap. What he what he only had one of them in the room with him at the time. They try things like that. And yeah, but still, but it's that disappointed that they're trying to he's trying to mislead them. He's trying to create the you know insinuation that he only has one wife. Right, it's, not it's the case. lack of credibility. You can't. I mean, after it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck and it you know da 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 da. da it's a freaking duck. Right, and the reason why I brought that up is because it, we don't have to give them deference. We don't have to assume that they have the best interests of the people in mind. Well, I mean, it's all about preserving the structure of the church. And unfortunately, and th this, this is a sad fact to bring up, but it, it needs it needs to be said. It goes beyond just not giving deference. In the church, you have stake presidents and bishops and general authorities who do this thing um, where they sometimes like pause or they'll say, um, I prayed about it and the Lord has instructed me that he wants you to be... Um, the, the stake relief society president, or they'll they'll put their hands on their heads and say, and they'll talk about being a conduit 
from these metaphysical forces on the other side down. If you reject that, if you if you believe that, then these guys are holy men who are um, mystics. I mean, to, to use old-fashioned language, who have this connection to this metaphysical um, truth Power. out there. If you reject that fundamentally, these guys are nuts. Because either either they're lying or they actually believe they're talking to voices out there that aren't there. So this is the great divide between Mormon believers and Mormon non-believers, is that the leadership itself has no middle ground. If they insist that they are transmitting this metaphysical knowledge, they're either delusional or they're lying or they're right. Or all of the, or both, not the right part. Delusional lies. Right. So, so <laughs> I, I know I haven't mentioned this much, but I look back at my experience with people who I admired that I realized, because I always struggled in the church because I never felt that. I'd be like, why am I so, um, why is it such that when I give a blessing, I don't feel anything. I might feel like my heart racing and, and I might feel good, but I didn't feel any like words coming into my head. And people around me were saying that. Well, well now I look at assume, it and they're delusional. They just assume that the words that, that, come into their head are the ones from God because that's right. what they're doing at that time is they're, you know, they're which the is conduit for the... Which for, is dangerous. Should we want to replay yeah, our yeah. discussion on uh, dangerous? Yes. It's potentially dangerous, so, right? So Zilfa and I had this discussion and we were having this very talk before and she said, well, they're not dangerous. It's, they're potentially dangerous. And I, the problem is that's like having a gun among preschoolers sitting a loaded gun on the floor and they're all playing around with their toys. And I say... That gun is dangerous. And Zilpha says, no, that gun is potentially dangerous. It only becomes dangerous if they pick it up and fire, pull the trigger. <laughs> no, potential danger is, is wrapped up in the definition of danger. So well, the reason I bring this up last, the, the criticism and the hostility that I have towards the church, um, and that's directed towards the corporate church and its Denzies, is because I see it as very dangerous. And the more to go for circle to the suicides and divorces and ostracization and all that kind of stuff, I see this stuff play out. And if anything in my attitude has changed, it's less and less deference to the corporate church. Because I believe it is, it is dangerous. And harmful. Have you noticed how they've been redefining these relatory terms over the, more recently? Like, for example, the uh, the more recent church handbook of instruction that was issued, and there was a leadership conference. I don't know if anyone listened to the audio of that. I listened to part of there it. There was the training session. They they go through the and they half of it is this is this example where they role play, you know, using the new processes, you know, the ward councils getting together. And, and over and over and over, they describe this as a revelatory process. What, they, what, they, what they're describing is them talking about things, coming to a conclusion, saying, yeah, I think that's generally a good idea. Let's move forward with that. And over and over again, they say, and that is the revelatory process. And they defined, they redefined revelation from something coming from God to being, we all talked about it. We generally feel good about it. We want to pursue it. And that, that's now what revelation is. And if, you know, cast it in that term, those terms and, you know, the, the, the priesthood ban being lifted and the proclamation of the family. Yeah, those are legitimate revelations now, if that's the definition of revelation. Well, and, and new Coke, because the Coca-Cola company came to that conclusion the same way through committee, right? <laughs> yep, sure. And if absolutely. that's the revelatory process, that's what every corporate That's is the using. revelatory process. Yeah. But they're soft selling it. They're not coming right out and saying, they're not, they don't have a letter that they're reading to the wards on Sunday that says, we are now defining revelation as. But they do say, they said it in conference a few times. As being kind of like very subtle, like, you know, they made it clear. 
like the Monson dawning on the horizon clear, or whatever. Yes, that he does not talk to God or Jesus. But but, but even if even if in church and in conference they they're more lawyered up, I'm saying on the front lines they are using that language all the time. And we just heard from your 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 mother this evening that the stake president and the area authority came to visit them in their home and said it was a revelation from God they wanted to go on a mission. And John said, "Well, why did they come visit you?" They had already started filling out their yeah. Papers. They had started, but they but They'd you know stalled. they were having doubts, and so of course the stake president's going to go tell them to go serve a mission. All right, so I feel like. We just had this critique about being too critical, and then I've, we I've, just can't. We kind of tangented on to criticisms as but, opposed to discussing criticism. The reason I put it there is I want I I definitely want people to understand where I'm coming from, and I have huge problems with the church, and some people out there, and I I I I, I laud them for trying this and 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 honor them and wish them all Godspeed. They're trying to change the church from the inside, from the outside, from the. I think the church is rotten to its core, so. I don't really take part in any effort to, in all of our criticism here, I never have as a, as a talking point or as a motivation to try to change the church because I think it's irredeemable. So by rotten to the core, you mean there is nothing salvageable, not that like corrupt. everybody in it is corrupt and evil. No, I think oh, the, no, I think the no. Mormon people themselves are great. I think Mormon belief, I think there's a lot of good things inside Mormon belief. I think metaphysically it's wrong. But it's uh, kind um, of interesting. It's interesting. It's an interesting belief system. I think as a model, you know, just like yoga, you know, yoga is a great way to achieve flexibility. But if you push it on me as a religious system, I'm going to tell you that I don't think it's so. So I am a fan of yoga on the one hand. On the other hand, um, I think it's bullcrap. So um, I think a lot of things in the church are that way. If you follow these models, even though they be wrong, they will produce good things in your life. But I think the corporate church is almost all wrong. It's almost all negative. Now, luckily for Mormonism, the corporate church is doing whatever they're doing in, in Salt Lake, and the stake presidents and bishops are oftentimes local people. That has its negatives, but it has its positives, too. They're not, they haven't gone to the corporate schools, so they're running the wards the way they see fit, and oftentimes that's a good way to do it. One of my, what's one of my kind of favorite giggle moments when I hear people say, oh, you know, um, the church is true. It's just the people. I think it's exactly the opposite. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, it, the people are its redeeming grace. Yeah. There's. That's the only thing good I can see about the church. Except is that the it, people that really are are good and well, course, with or without the church, and they want to. Yeah. But I think it does harm their perception of the world and oh well, yeah, and outsiders. So, I think I think for me. Um, you know, the bottom line of the criticism, especially the church, is the pain and the suffering is real. And I just can't, if there's anything rhetorically that I've changed, it's, I probably at one point would have said, eh, the church is a good, is a good, is a good thing. I still love talking about these things, but I get so mad at the church and it's so destructive and it's so, it's so awful. And if I'm going to lose listeners, by attacking this corporation that's out there doing such terrible, terrible things, then so be it. But our listenership continues to grow and continues to grow and continues to grow. But much to my surprise, I don't know, I don't know who these people are. Uh, thanks, guys. Um, it's but, therapy. But, but you know, everyone needs to understand that my rhetorical position, and I think by extension, rhetorical position of the podcast is Mormonism is fun. Mormons are great. Jello salad's cool. 
the church is a damnable organization and it needs to knock it off. And however I can kick the church in the nut, no- uh, I shouldn't say, I'm not, I'm not no, I, 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 I tend to mostly ignore it, but. But I, you won't be shut up. I won't, I, uh, I won't be stopped. And if, if that's, if, 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 if I am no longer the right guy for Mormon expression and I have a board meeting every quarter where I ask them the question, you know, if, if that makes me no longer the right guy for this, do we need to go in another direction? Then, then, then so be it. But I can't, I can't bottle that up, especially when I see, oh, that there was a, uh, we did the divorce, the divorce episode, um, 171. And the stuff we've gotten back just makes, uh, was, I have shed tears over in the last couple of weeks because there's these awful, awful stories. These people that are, that, that the church and uh, it's just, it's, it's a horror show out there. And, and to the whole, this goes back to our episode number one, leaving the church and not leaving alone. <laughs> yeah. Um, Zilpha's mother called us the other day and said, I'm, I've decided what I'm going to give you for Christmas. You can either have the Golden Plates movie or the 17 Miracles movie. <laughs> they won't what an leave, offer they, i mean we won't leave them alone but they won't leave us alone and there's a lot more of them than there are of me well so well someone on one of the boards and he's in the facebook group um but he has said it many times and i think it's actually a signature um um on one of the boards and that is that um and it goes along with um with like the aids crisis silence equals death when you're silent about something uh, you are in, it's, you're, you're giving consent. Yes. And I, I feel all emotional now because, but I just, I can't be quiet anymore about that. I don't think there's anyone in, you know, in this room and probably most of our listeners who haven't been affected deeply in some way, you know, that they, they haven't been harmed in some way, even if they're a believer listening. I mean, they're, they're here in the forum listening because they're at least aware of concerns, of problems, of, of discrepancies, of issues that they want someone who they can have an actual discussion with, open up with, or at least listen to those open discussions with. And, uh, I think that really matters. I mean, criticisms, criticisms we levied. And I think that's a really important and poignant, poignant, um, facet to this entire approach that that we engaged in the podcast or listening to the podcast or on the forums wherever else need this discussion we need that criticism because it's therapeutic it helps us get over the pains and the difficulties i i mean myself i'm going through the middle of a a divorce right now because my wife left me uh because i don't believe as she does and that's really it i mean there's no other major concern within the marriage that would have led to this that alone was really the the pivotal pivotal action it it tears me apart. It, it it kills me. I'm I'm only beating now to kind of uh, be able to reflectively recover from this. And this is a very recent event for me. But everyone, regardless of where they're at, they're being hurt. They're being impacted in some way. And that's why I think you know maybe, maybe we're very critical. Maybe the crit- criticism has increased, uh, but it's it's needed. It's good. It's valuable. And I think it should continue. And I, I would invite people out there. You know, not everybody can come to the studio or, or participate, but you know, continue to, we, we, li- we listen to your concerns and put them out there on the board. I mean, there's times when we've said things that are incorrect or have gone too far and, and, and we need that, that, that balancing voice. Um, but you know, we'll continue to try to honestly express our, our, our feelings about the issue. And that, I mean, that's, that's all we can do. That's all we, we can hope to do. And I would just say, if it's too much for people, Move on. This isn't the right place. There's other avenues. And I've, I've heard from lots of people. This has almost become a cliche on the, on the board that they 
graduate to, you know, they hear this podcast. Oh my gosh, I can't listen to that. And then slowly they come back, they come back. And I, I, I really think if to your point, it's some kind of therapy, then that's, that's all we can hope for. Other than that, it should be entertaining. Isn't that directive number one? I've given you guys the directive. Has to be entertaining. No, no. Directive number one is the sound quality has to be good. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> directive number two is it has to be entertaining. Right. Um, all right. Any other any other thoughts? Oh, there was one thing I was going to throw in. It's kind of totally off topic, but since it's Santa, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> uh, the core of I I think about whether or not it's too critical, whether or not we're too critical of the church is well, you need to be talking about the good things too. Right. Like it wouldn't be, it wouldn't feel so negative if we were talking about the good things too. There's a book out there that has nothing to do with Mormonism. It's called Purple Hibiscus and it's about a family in Africa and about it's written from the perspective of the daughter in the family and about her father and what he does for the community and keeps the community running and what he does to his family. And the whole, it never, it never addresses it in the book, but the whole point of the book is, can you be a good man if you save your entire city, but you beat the crap out of your family? Can you be a bad man if you beat the crap out of your family, because you beat the crap out of your family, if you're saving and literally feeding everybody else around you? So I think, you know, if, I think one of the things that Mormon expression exists to discuss is, can the church be good? if it does all this really shitty stuff to people and is it bad for doing all this shitty stuff to people if it does good things at the same time? Oh, I, I think that's, it's better to just ruin a bunch of people. If they can just elevate all of Laban, the rest of us, <laughs> let's ruin a couple other people's lives as long as we can save a whole other nation. And that's a valid point of view to talk about. I think Except, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's a whole, Another. It's a whole nother. <laughs> Don't come in here with your fancy grammar. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think uh, I think we pretty much beat that that one to death. Um, yeah, we we we'd we'd love to hear uh, more feedback and and we'd love to hear more of your stories and more voices on the podcast, which is one of the the thoughts behind the the, the voice is a way to get more people on and hear what more people have to say. So 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 please continue to engage us. Continue to uh, write us. You can get Heather at uh, mormonexpression.com. Zilpha never checks Mormon her mormonexpression.com. But if you email. do mail, yeah. mail at mormonexpression.com. I'll, I'll let the big secret out. Zilpha pre-screens everything goes to mail, and then she forwards on to ones that have to go to me. So you can get Zilpha by just going to mail at mormonexpression.com. And, of course, John at mormonexpression.com. Now I'm going to have a lot more emails to shift through, aren't I? Uh, you're probably going to get a lot more sexual harassment. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. uh, Zilpha is pretty sexy. Control yourself, men. It's not just the men. Don't keep this to be a man's problem. Uh, there's, there's some sort of a vibe out there that the ladies kind of like you. I don't know what I don't know what you're putting out there into the universe, but yeah, I thought this podcast was about criticism of the church. <laughs> oh well, and it's ending. We were. Just, I, was, I, was, I was trying to end it on an upbeat. All right. Well, thanks everybody. Oh. Thanks, John. <laughs> <laughs>